Today's episode is a huge step forward. Thanks to our guest, Adeo Lufeko, a thought leader who lives in Lagos, Nigeria. To have him spend his valuable time and incredible mind with Diego and I was an incredible blessing. To give a short and absolutely non-exhaustive cliff note version of who he is, he is and a very established speaker on digital media, developing technologies, humanities, and innovation. Having worked intimately with major global brands and spoken around the world in such places as TEDx, London Business School, Columbia, Yale, Harvard, World Economic Forum, Lagos Business School, been interviewed countless times on TV, many publications, educated at high-level institutions, and on top of all of that, he also curated, curated Visual Collaborative, one of the most interesting collections of art shows, digital media, and interview collections in the world. To say we are honored to have a true thought leader who thinks deeply about our humanity is a massive understatement. I'm so happy to share this experience with Diego as well. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I do. I will post all the links to the massive amount that Ade has actually done, and I look forward to what he contributes to the world in the future. And here we go. Welcome to Berenson Bond Podcast, episode 90, with your hosts, Corey and Diego Berenson. Good afternoon, Diego. Hello. And today we have an amazing guest of honor, Ade Bauni. Alafia <laughs> Moa. Ah, <laughs> welcome. I want to say thank you. Uh, I will ask you later how you want me to properly give you a resume type intro before <laughs> you roll it. But to keep it short, I just want to share what I felt I came across knowing you as a friend. Uh, for so long, mm-hmm. not even being in person <laughs> for 15 years or yes. however long. It's been a long time. Like you just mm-hmm. said, the last time we saw each other in person, I was riding bikes before we had children. Yes, absolutely. So, so that was Santa a minute. Monica Beach. That was a long time ago, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you're a you're a intellect collector, is how <laughs> I okay. see you mm-hmm. across this span. You're collecting intellect in a beautiful way and the different ways you're trying to streamline it. You're amassing these different avenues of lives and socioeconomic situations, cultures, climates. You're fully international-minded. It's amazing. So I'm, I'm humbled to be with you. Um, but to have you here with my son is very important. To know one day we will go to Lagos yes. and we'll visit you. Absolutely. I really want to do that. Absolutely. Uh, we love to travel with the kids. Uh, we went to Palau across the world. He's been to Mexico. He's been to Spain. I want to keep showing him the world because that's where you learn the most. Absolutely. From culture, from people. It's taught more to me and to him. And um, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a big part of it. So what Diego doesn't know is I kind of showed him some things. A little bit but the last when he was a baby I mean six months old a tiny baby 
And you were doing the show in San Francisco. Oh yeah! Right? Oh wow! Was he born at that time? He was a baby. He was oh, born. He was kidding. a baby. Oh wow! And he, it was still kind of. He was a little bit waking up. Okay. In the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was. I really appreciate that you view me as an artist or thought of me. So at that time, you're like challenged me to do these paintings for this show, right? Mm-hmm. But he would wake up at night, and so I painted them in the bathroom with the door closed in the middle of the night to not wake him. Oh, wow. And so for me, it was a fun experience. Like, wait, I need to push myself. I need to paint. He's going to wake up. So I just in the bathroom, resting the canvas on the bathtub. That was that was how long ago that was. Wow. Right. Wow. So, you know, having you here now, it's like, you know, I think of myself as creative. But to see someone else, I think, think of me that way is uh, I appreciate it. Because oh, no uh, it's it's oh. hard to know, like when you leave something tangible behind, what it means to your memories and what it means to others, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so now I'm throwing a lot out here first before I give you a chance, <laughs> just to kind of see where yes. my head's at. You yeah, know? of course, of course, uh, of course. So you have this amazing foundation company, Visual Collaborative. So just looking at the site, Diego, he has there's four collections of interviews from 2019. Mm-hmm. I saw the five collections from our wonderful year 2020. Yes, I think right? so. Right? Yes. When you went full digital, you're still collecting. Yes. It's interviews spanning all continents, professions, thoughts, beliefs. Um, and what, from reading a few of them, obviously there is a lot, but they all seem to be strongly reflective individuals showing how much we can see and feel similarities in the human experience. And it also opened my eyes to the the many different ways existing as a human can be. So it's an impressive collection of work. Um, In that seeing it span so many different things, I, the first thought I had is what, what have you gained most from the broad collect this broad collection that's changed you and or you can just talk about something totally else. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, it's, it's great to, um, you know, see you again after so long and then to finally meet Diego. Uh, definitely uh, seeing him in Globetrotter with his dad and his mom. So it's a good looking young man. <laughs> and um, but yeah, uh, with the collection uh, Polaris which is the publishing arm of Visual Collaborative. Visual Collaborative obviously started as a traveling exhibition. Um, the last exhibition we did was in 2015. And uh, from there, we um, diverged into like, you know, diversified into like other types of showcasing uh, creative disciplines and works. Uh, right before the epidemic, the global epidemic, we really wanted to go digital. And we're experimenting with a collective I came up with, Polaris, uh, which is also known as North Star. I am into, you know, astronomy, uh, lots of astronomy, um, you know, the Egyptian pyramids and um, heritage sites all over the world. Uh, because people from different time stamps over civilization gravitate to her there. And I wanted to use that as a... Um, the premise of the collective, bringing different people from different walks of life 
to speak about their experiences, their own experiences within the collective human condition. You know, what happens in Cairo may affect what happens in Houston, Texas, where we are, um, regardless of how far apart it is. Um, so, and the media barrage of uh, sometimes negative news that spikes the human stimulus to go buy, consume. I wanted to create a platform that showed a different type of news, which would make uh, people scared or kids scared and just have unfiltered content without, you know, sponsors controlling that type of content that was coming out. And um, I'm not sure that answers some of your question, but the vision for it was pretty big. And we accomplished 10 volumes, which got into the Library of Congress. So we're pretty happy about that. That's awesome. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so you can you. go see it anytime right now. It's permanent. Uh, it's, uh, well, it's for now, it's pretty much open. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, open ed. It's open for the public and for incubators, academia. It's uh, open access. Open access and publishing, meaning it's free to everybody. Now, how long you'll be free for it really depends on how much societies get saturated and saturated so that Diego, I'm sure Diego know what Diego, you know what saturated means, Diego? Sort of, yeah. Okay. <laughs> saturated pretty much is um, when things become so common that they're not unique anymore. Like if everybody's wearing a Superman shirt, it's not that cool. So when news becomes starts to sound alike, you know, that content that we created would be so unique. And if it's so unique, it may not be free, but for now it's free. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was thinking ahead. Even though I did a long time ago, it'll still be unique in the future. Yes. And I showed Diego was very impressed that you had many TED Talks. Oh, wow. As a futurist. <laughs> I totally and forgot I, about that. Yeah. And it was, uh, mm-hmm. He had a couple. What was your first question you wanted, you were wondering? Uh, like, what are you trying to predict? Because I've heard, like, that you try and predict the future with the technology and data. Uh, like, what you try to predict. Uh, that's a great, awesome question. Actually, one of the best ones in a long time. Uh, the last person who asked that question was an architect, um, in Lagos, I think she was in the audience and she asked, so well, this artwork's very interesting. What are you trying to predict? Um, so in every society, we have um, what we call economists. And economists use math to predict maybe hardships or let's say something has come in five years and a town is getting bigger. They would then do calculations saying these are the natural resources of this town, but the population is going. Those resources may not be able to feed that population. That's just one example. So what some of the artwork I have has biodata inside it, data, just general data collected from different um, repositories or libraries uh, based off a census, population control, and... Uh, I wanted uh, my digital abstract, 
my digital paintings, not just to look cool aesthetically. Um, beauty is in the eye of, be of the beholder. So somebody may think it's cool. Some people will be like, this sucks. But I wanted it to have data that would predict um, things that were, that were yet to come on the continent, you know, in West Africa and in East Africa, so that if um, information is hijacked by politicians or so, of some sort, I have nothing against politicians, by the way, <laughs> but I'll vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if information was being hijacked, uh, actual factual data was embedded into the artwork. And if the artwork were to live beyond, you know, us or me, people would say, Oh, wow, this was what, um, this people and economists saw. And this is what they predicted. So you can't falsify what's been predicted. Like I look at it like what was happening in the 17th century, century 17th century math was different from the math now, you know, uh, just stuff like that. I wanted to just innovate. Just don't put like we, we spoke uh, the other day about um, Cudlin, the American Cudlin or what was it? What's the book you mentioned, Corey? Cudlin. 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 How you are protecting, you know, a child from falling on the floor or stuff like that. So I kind of didn't want to um, be so scared. I just wanted to just create and just innovate. So the data that I put in there, Diego, was really to make um, predictions. And hopefully some of them, some of them might be wrong, but most of them are probably going to be right. So would it, who would be able to decode your data that's within the art? Well, um, I think anybody who's patient enough, you know, uh, so you have example in popular culture, you have the Mona Lisa, the Mon Mona Lisa, which was done by Leonardo da Vinci. Till this day, people are still finding a little clues and cues or her smile what did that mean and things mm -hmm. like that but it's usually people who are interested in that type of stuff so my work um whenever it's displayed in any exhibition a collector may come in and see it and just like you know the mixed media that's done or an economist can actually pay attention and see that you know that there's actually data that makes sense to them and once they pull that data, they would see it's part of a data set, which is a collection of another set of data. So once you look in a data set, it could be um, uh, maybe birth rate, birth defects, um, uh, twins, or, you know, just different type of data. So mm -hmm. would you consider it to be an artistic representation of a meta-analysis? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's cool. It's, it's big data. It's part of it's part of the family of big data. It's metadata and it's meta-analysis. You're very correct. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking who, who in the future can pinpoint, well, who, you know, whoever is able to identify and, and extract the data and then, you know, their mind explodes. 
I think Diego's generation, think they would so. they would it'd be light work for them. They'd be like, <laughs> it'd be like, oh, we could do this. I'm a, I'm forever amazed at how smart this kid is. Yeah. He's smart. He seems he's pretty chill. He's he's being humble right now, but their minds. I know. I want his autograph before I leave. They're adapting mentally and more in tune with vibrations of of emotion that highly receptive in a, in a more in a much higher way like there are no higher wavelength of pulling in information that's nonverbal mm-hmm. and i see it uh definitely with him and a lot with the school they go to they teach that emotional intelligence mm-hmm. world-minded individuals but everything is backboned by that emotional intelligence which isn't just emotions obviously but they're, they're in tune they can see things that you did, you know, you think they don't see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I kind of put myself in his, his, his shoes. I think, well, what was it like when I was in sixth grade? Right. What was I real? I was something silly. Like when you become a parent, your, your world kind of revolves around food. You're feeding someone, <laughs> you're cleaning someone, you're eating something or you're preparing, then you're clean, you're eating the, it's a lot of food centric, you know, make sure he's okay. They're okay. And I was thinking when I was in sixth grade, I don't remember one meal, right? Mm-hmm. We obviously ate every day. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Why do I not remember once? But I do remember I was living with my uncle and he, I told Diego, like, he gave me a, my first cup of coffee on one Sunday with probably mostly milk mm-hmm. and a splash of coffee, laid out the paper, the newspaper, and we read together like grownups. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, yeah, I think I think I'm a grown up now. I think I think, <laughs> I think I'm a, I'm reading the newspaper, having a coffee with my uncle. I've made it, right? Mm-hmm. Sip that coffee, and it was in Alaska, right? And oh wow! Is feet and feet of snow outside, and I remember that, right? And so as I go along in life, I try to remember like what what anchors a memory more than others mm-hmm. is what I'm most really intrigued by. So as an artist, gets my point is, I love doing, I do a few paintings a year, but um, some are bad, some are good. I do them. But when I see it or think of that specific piece, mm-hmm. it's the key to every detail that was happening in my life at the time. If you ask me what was happening whatever year, I'll be fuzzy. Okay. Right? But okay. if you if you show me a picture of that painting I was doing at the time. I can now, it's the keys open, it opens a door, and I can see everything. That's what I love about it. Yeah, I and appreciate no it. Other, yeah. no other trigger does it for me than re- seeing or remembering the pieces I'm painting at the time. I see, I see. So I even wrote, to, I, in a journal for the future, I wrote down, when I'm old and forgetful, <laughs> all you need to do is show me that picture. Show me a picture of a okay. painting I did. I promise you, I will remember everything. So I was curious if that happened for you too. Uh, yes, it does. Um, but while you're talking now, I remember, you know, what you brought up earlier about the San Francisco show. Uh, I really appreciated that story because I remember, uh, you know, the, the time, it was like a really, really short time to get those pieces in. Yeah, it was good. It was a good. It was yeah. a good. It was a good rush. Yeah, yeah, it was a good rush, and um, it was an interesting. 
you don't really get to know the backstories of you know what it took to get some things and yeah it, it was but it was a you missed we missed you at the show man it was a pretty big show yeah we really. shut down the mission uh the mission i think mark zuckerberg bought all those places when they moved in there oh wow so the artist community is not as how it used to be oh that's a shame uh, it's it's yeah it happens in all the big cities new york san francisco but yeah, we had good memories. Even if you weren't there, I still took you with me. And oh, nice. Yes, yes. By answering your question uh, about memory, artworks, or, or things, I think it's very similar for me. Pictures, seeing pictures, or hearing a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, more like hearing a song, it triggers a memory of what it's like. Um, I'd say more music. Music goes hand in hand with me with art, just anything that oh, I yeah. do. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I remember this artwork, you know? So, yeah. Oh, and oh, Diego, I want to ask you, uh, since you've done so many interviews, what type of person <laughs> were you wanting to know? Any um, professional racers. <laughs> he loves F1. So have you, yeah, interviewed any F1 drivers? Racers, <laughs> drivers. Um, <laughs> you stumbled across any pro drivers in your in your travels? Uh, well, it, there did them. There have been this been some discussions, but none yet. Uh, now that you are asking, the 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 F one driver that I really really wanted to have a conversation with is um, I think is it uh, something Pat? Is it? She's a lady. Um, I think she may be retired now. F one driver. Danica Patrick? Yeah. Yeah, she's a IndyCar. IndyCar. Does that does that count? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she's somebody who was doing uh she, she I think she has her, her own podcast. I thought it'd be pretty cool just to ask her. I mean, we're about the same age, mm-hmm. but also being a woman in a male dominated sport, like what does the adrenaline do for her? You know, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um but now that Diego mentions it, some of the interviews uh, that I've done with some pretty decent names are either by introduction, maybe true my agent or true friends. Uh, some of them I don't. I just get the, the name of the profile. I write the questions and I have our volunteers do the interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I write all the questions, but I don't interview everybody. Uh, like we've done some big ones uh, in sports. I'm just trying to remember. It fails me. But no F1 drivers. So, Diego, <laughs> Not yet. I'm going to, once I get one, I'm going to say, yeah. <laughs> Diego asked, we get you in here. <laughs> <laughs> so, if there's any question you want me to ask them when that happens, what should I ask? Any general question? Not that I can think of at the moment. No. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, this kid is. He's pushing to drive. We've done a lot of recon missions. We've, you know, part of achieving or going towards a goal is what I like showing him. I like when it comes to the art, letting him see that I do something besides type on a computer mm-hmm. is very important for me to see me physically do something else, right? Um, so it's a goal that takes time. You know, sometimes they take months and months and it doesn't, it doesn't just appear, right? You're like, I got to get the pieces and build the wood and, then get the paints then you know there's there's this process so he's 
he's encouraged me to help him with his goals, right? He wants to drive. There's professional competitive go-karts, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can't just, you know, swan dive into that, right? You have to go see the track, go meet some drivers, go see the gear needed. You know, there's all this build up towards it and it's little piece at a time, which it's a long progression. And so this summer we should be able to make it happen, but it's something that I've shown him like it's it's a big goal and it's something that's not easy, but it can be done. And we make our steps, we learn more, we go towards it, and he'll get it. And he urges me to help him. Okay, cool. Right? But his mind is so open. A lot of times I catch myself like I need to pull the governor off, like take the limiter off <laughs> imagination. Right? right as right. you get older you start adding a limiter to your imagination and he reminds me all the time you feel like a comment coming out like i'm going to remove am i about to hinder imagination and i catch myself like don't do that and then you remember like he's got a way more open mind and it reminds me to oh yes it's the most important it's the most powerful force on earth as a human is imagination. Absolutely. And for me to stifle it would be silly. But you feel inclined to do it. Yes. <laughs> but you yes. have to stop yeah. yourself. Yeah. But I don't. So he helps both the kids remind me like, awesome. you know, it's amazing. You say, why don't we do this? And I have to say, yes. Why don't we do this? That's right. You can do. We can do that. There's there we can, don't know how you know like you're like <laughs> I have no idea or when but you know it's a it, it's awesome so it's a gift that this kid gives me all the time awesome awesome so I want to share that you know awesome yeah that's pretty cool uh, Diego uh, can I ask him sure yeah yeah I'm just hanging on out are you um uh, are you more visual or are you more auditory uh, are you more kinesthetic? I would say visual a little bit. Okay. I okay. learn. I feel I learn a little better when it's kind of visual. Okay. Visual learning, yeah, that helps me a lot better. Nice, nice. How about kinesthetic? Not too much. Kinesthetic is more mm-hmm. like physical, like when you. Um. Probably not so much then, okay. but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> That's pretty what, cool. What, uh, for like, what's, what's your life like? My life. What's your life like? Like right now, or just yeah. over the years? <laughs> um. What's an hour? I guess more specific. What's an average day for you when you're back in Legos? Um. Sometimes I I get up early in the morning. Um, I'm an early riser. I'm earlier, definitely an early riser. If I have enough time, um, if I have done all, when I've done all my work the day before, I get up and I meditate. Not the general, you know, lotus position, but just sit down with my thoughts mm-hmm. and then I head off to the gym. And I, I'm the early crowd in the gym before the second crowd comes. Because sometimes at the gym, people want to talk to you. And sometimes I'm introverted. I don't like, talking i just want to get my workout in and leave i don't want to say how are you i'm not antisocial. i just want to do that and when i leave there 
typically I prepare to go into, I have a store. It's an electronic commodity store. Um, it's electronics and uh, games, uh, local games. So I go in, not all the time, uh, see my staff, see how they're doing. Hope everything's okay with them. Did they get the directives I laid out for them? And I leave. And then I enter my own fairy tale land of creation. As soon as I have creative block, sometimes I don't. But I try to create every day. If by writing or by creating or looking at my old projects in the States, I have a catalog of different projects that I moved to Lagos, Nigeria with me. Um, things I have abandoned, things that maybe still be relevant. You know, I just look through those things. But then I have, you know, married life. You know, I have, uh, I still have to pay attention to wifey, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, just see what she wants to do. Uh, call my friends in America, uh, family, uh, my siblings. Everybody's kind of married, has kids now. So we're not as, we're all busy. Right. <laughs> And there's a time difference. So the time difference between New York and which is East Eastern Standard Time, and there's time difference between you know Minnesota, Texas, which is Central Time. So sometimes you have to. Uh, I mean, you ask me how my typical days are like, and I'm giving this whole spiel. Yeah, no, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I'm easy. I'm really easy. I'm sort of in. I'm really. I kind of. I don't use the word loner. I sort of am a loner in a way, um, but I'm not alone. You know, I'm not. I'm. I, I don't. I don't mind my own company. If I really wanted to go somewhere, I can jump on a plane mm-hmm. and go to a different country, and I have friends there. No, I can. I can totally relate, and that's yeah. that's admirable. You make a creative block. Yes. Every yes. day or every other day, because you can't be creative if you don't set time aside for it to foster. Oh yeah. Um. You know, I learned that the hard way by this last piece I did. I'll show you. Oh, okay. It sat next to me for months, months, months. Then the kids went to Houston, I think, with with uh, Melissa. Mm-hmm. And I had four days, right? Okay. I said, okay. Um, I can wait for the mood to strike, <laughs> right? Which is not smart. Mm-hmm. You set the time and you do the work. Yeah. Right? Okay. So I just wrote it down. Here's my blocks. I did a three-hour block. I'm going to have a lunch and workout. I'm going to have a block. And I treated that way for four days or three days. So I did like 20 hours of focusing on it. And in that 20 hours, I some hours I felt great and in the mood and some I didn't. But I finished it because I set that time aside to do it just like any other work. How do you so, feel when it was done? Oh, man, it always feels great. And I always yeah. feel like I could be better at time managing this yeah. process. So it's very admirable that you do that because you will you will find more within yourself creating that time. Absolutely. And I, I can relate knowing that, that you're not antisocial, but you've you it's not that you don't value others' time. You value your time more. And that's, I feel, what we should do. I think why we get along is that we, we share that mutual appreciation for, for value, valuing your own time. Absolutely. You are worth your time. And it's best to share it with yourself and see who's really inside. Absolutely. You know? 
<laughs> Absolutely. So that's that's great. Yeah, that, I, I'm happy that they teach mindfulness and meditation. They're aware of it at school. They have a centering at the top of the day. Is it a Montessori school? What type mm -hmm. of school? Oh, it is. No mm -hmm. kidding. Wonder he's such a bright kid. <laughs> well, I'm sure natural in, in abilities, but I didn't know that. I just it, took a lucky guess. Wow. It the Montessori system really fosters independence and uh, that thinking process to yes. analyze yourself and not be pointing at other people, and you really point at yourself. Absolutely. And if they can learn it younger, it's uh, I mean leaps yeah. and bounds above and just be you know getting becoming an older human. To turn the absolutely turn the view to yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. I picked just a little bit about the yoga when I first walked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure what it was, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. What do you think, Diego? Yeah. Are you mad that the pool's cold here? We tried to swim, but the water's very oh, cold. Oh man! I'm gonna jump to. I got pages, so you just stop. And go. Okay, okay. So I wrote, I found this. So Diego, hmm? you want to keep hanging? If you want to bounce, you can. Or do you want to hang more? No, stay. Okay, cool. I just give him an out around this time. Okay. If he wants okay. to. Okay. How much? How much time do we have? We got plenty of time. Okay. But sometimes just... I let I release him. Okay. And then we can keep talking. Okay. Just checking. All right. Cool. You know, he is eleven. Yes. But he's got a serious conversation game which i'm proud of i'm fostering i keep telling them this this skill what we're doing yeah. here mm -hmm. is incredibly important for the future absolutely because everybody's looking at this device here next to me mm -hmm. and i want to make this very strong absolutely absolutely i think it's so, very important and he's, and he's good he's a good kid so today is an expert on advancing the cause of humanity in the creative economy Okay. I've heard that before. You've heard that before. I, that's what says the internet. Now, <laughs> I read that and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. So then I don't know. So number one, I want to, I, my question is, what in your mind is the cause of humanity? Because so, if you're advancing the cause, well, I don't know the cause. And then once you know it or you have your head around what it might be, how do you advance? A creative effort towards it have you had this question a bunch uh well not particularly so <laughs> yeah this is, a, this is a direct question which is a good one uh, the first time i heard that classified the work i do was on uh voice of america okay uh, the anchor was i was like oh well, like well that's pretty cool <laughs> i never saw it that way and you don't sell uh, you don't say that like on the business card <laughs> Man, it's like, well, it's like, so what do you do again? <laughs> kind of. Um, advancing the, how do you say it? Advancing the cause. The cause. They, they, oh, they, yeah, they said advancing the cause of humanity. I was like, that's very interesting. Okay. Because they may have got it all wrong, but what, I guess, what were they trying to grasp at, in your opinion? Uh, if we put it in context, I, I believe they were talking within the creative economy. Um, I'm a big lover of people generally, and people, it, people make up humanities, humanities, the arts, um, that's what makes our world go around. Imagination, 
and different things. Um, we also have people who are left brained on the side. Mm-hmm. They're the business, the capitalists, the people who, you know, the dollars and cents and that type of stuff. Um, but humanities, um, sometimes often neglected, um, um, telling kids to, you know, stop thinking too much, stop daydreaming. It all starts with how we address kids and the colors that they bring to the world. So I am for those individuals. I was once a kid. No. I remembered. Oh, I know. I realized this <laughs> a long time ago. Like, you weren't born a grown up? I, I was born a grown up and I realized. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, advancing the course of humanities for me is just supporting really the artisans, the creatives, the architects, people who create things. Things, there's the functional creation and there's the aesthetic creation. Um, cost of humanity is really is everything that the UN has come up with now, the uh, sustainable development goals of feeding water, um, you know, climate change, all those things are a subset of humanities. And that's my life's work. As I'm still trying to unravel my life's work, I won't say this is my life's work. I'm not going to come here and lie and say, I know what I'm supposed to do in life. <laughs> because we're all grown, we all change. Like the Diego now is going to be a different Diego in five years. He may have some inner things which are similar, but he's going to evolve. He's going to see the world much more. Just as you, Corey. Like me, I know that humanities is where my work is. And it's going to transform as I get older. So advancing the cause is more of the individual who said it or wrote it as a responsibility for me to say, this is what the intrinsic value I have actualized. And me sitting at the table talking to different um, stakeholders, people that for humanities, you know, I am a spokesperson. I'm a spokesperson for the artist who's very good, but they don't know how to make money. I am I'm acting like an agency in a way where I'm helping them realize their commercial value. Being next to a, a business person who is saying, so what do you do? Why should we give you money? I'm helping them remove the blinders to say, I'm a carpenter. This is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. This is how what can make your store colorful. This is how you can get your products in there. A carpenter is someone who also deals with, you know, deforestation, vegetation. There's so many different things. So all those things are humanities. Humanities are plants, you know. Some people just kill plants, eat plants, but plants feel they are aware. We think they're not aware, you know. They are in their natural state. We have our cognitive abilities of what we think about. Um, we think about things. And sometimes those things that we think about obstruct what actually is. You know, So in um, academia, uh, talks, invitations, or conversations like this, I try and highlight what humanities is and what advancing the cost of it is in the creative economy. That's great. Just pushing and fostering creativity across Absolutely. all spectrums. Like I said, that's mm-hmm. that's what changes everything. 
you know, creativity ins- inspired even this room. Absolutely. Someone Absolutely. said, let's not just do a box. Let's have some recessed lighting. Absolutely. Let's, uh, other colors. Let's not make it all white, you know, all this creative. Even if at the lightest touch, it changes your feel of every environment. Mm-hmm. It's great. All right, Diego. Get out of here. I'm going to release you. Go hang. Thank you. You can take your water and your phone. Thank you, Diego. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Proud of you, kid. We'll see you soon, all right? All right. Yeah. Tell mom, just give us a little bit more, all right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could feel, you know, he reaches his limit. Okay, yeah, you would know. Yeah, yeah, around 30 or 45 minutes. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah, The fact absolutely. that he can sit, you know, for a long time. Absolutely. As a sixth grader and listen to grown-ups. Yeah. Hey, yes. that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. This is the learn from your elder circle that I think is missing, and and especially American society. Kids don't just sit and listen to grown folks talk. Of course. Besides teachers. Of course. You go to a teacher, like, you know, you don't sit with your family and have those conversations very often. Absolutely. So that's a part of what I love doing it. Yes. Also. Yes. yes. Good. I think it's something they should. I don't know what it's going to do or he might. I don't know. I feel like it's the right thing. <laughs> okay. So far it feels. You're feeling. I feel feeling. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, let's see. Yeah, I, wrote, I noticed yeah, that 2020 you went hard on releasing a lot of content. And I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> Is it awesome that, that obvious? You, wow. Well, it, no, it's good. It's like okay. incredibly positive. What I'm saying is you pushed harder at a time of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I love to see when people push themselves forward during that year because it shows you you're not with your back against the wall. You walked full power forward. And to see more during that year shows I'm shoving myself out. I'm not going to hide. And that's awesome. I'm definitely, it's a beautiful, it's a great thing. Thank you. I don't see it anything negatively at, at all. You know, I, I hope you feel that way as well because that's how I view it. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I think after that push and a little bit of, uh, 2021, I'm not sure if we released anything in 2021, but after that period, it just took, I had to, you know, recuperate. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a lot of mental power to write, you know, just the questions and then have conversations with, you know, some, some of the, uh, you know, super, I call them the superstars, you know, or the, the big judges and being able to respectfully, you know, talk to them how they want to be addressed, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not to be starstruck, <laughs> but, you know, just having the right content for the audiences. I think it was the right thing to do. I felt it was the right thing to do. And, um, yeah. Yeah. You feel good having done it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The media barrage of COVID this, COVID that. It is a reality, but people need to dilute that news that's coming off the TV antennas or the mm-hmm. cable. Dilute it with something a little bit that doesn't blow out your meridian or your acupuncture system in mm-hmm. your body, you know? So that's kind of how I approached it. Well, I... I am in line with all of that, those mm-hmm. thoughts. I did the same thing. I felt it really assaulting every stream of mass media. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, we listen to the the morning silly prank call on the radio station, right? When I take the kids to school. And so I'll listen. They hear some corny, <laughs> silly prank call, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's off because uh, now not so much, but still for a while, it was all stations. You could just jump around the stations and it was COVID this, COVID that, the yes. vaccine this, that. Yes. Off. Just shut it off. We don't watch TV, normal TV at home anyways. So okay. that's off. All right, cool. It's been that oh, way. That's yeah, pretty cool. We, everybody has Netflix, but we watch stuff on Fridays and weekends. And during the week, it ne- it's never turned on. Right? So Monday morning to Friday after school, it's not on. And you get we get busy and there's other things to do. Mm-hmm. But it is intentional. Yes. I don't even want it in the background. <laughs> that's negative pumping out. It keep it, it needs to be off. I'm with you. Off? <laughs> I'm with okay. you on that. Yeah. I have the internet. I sit there and work. I'm not reading news. Mm-hmm. Um, I will listen to researchers, uh, data researchers, science researchers here and there, if it touches on it. But generally, I don't. I don't need more of that filtering in the feed that they throw at you. It's absolutely intentional. If you're not intentional about it you're just opening yourself up absolutely to, to someone just molding your mind like clay and i don't want that for myself i don't want that for my family absolutely absolutely i mean it and it's good that you have you're active with that because um, if you're passive with what's being communicated to you um you're so if you're a passive your subconscious is, is passive and like you said the molding of mind you know something may come out you know, in the future or in a different conversation. And you're like, where, that wasn't me. Where'd that come from? Mm -hmm. And not putting or developing your critical barrier, as I call it. And people in in hypnosis call it the critical barrier. Um, Do you know what that is? No, please tell me. Uh, A critical barrier is um, where if a hypnosis is or or someone who wants to hypnotize you, Mm -hmm. talk to you, everybody has a critical barrier. And a critical barrier is something that's either weak or strong, but everybody has it. Uh, some people may have it stronger than others because of their culture, tradition, or just because they're aware of it. And what people who hypnotize people or salespeople do, they have what you call a yes set. If you want to go buy a car, buy a house, or whatever there is, they try to get through that critical barrier through a yes set. And a yes set is like, when you're able to uh, resonate, create a resonance with you, and they talk, once you say yes, and you start saying yes, the yes set is like a data set. They push it through. And then once they're through that guardian, which is a critical barrier, they could pretty much program you to do and undo. Uh, so that's where conspiracy theories talk about MK Ultra, you know, mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. I'm not an expert in that. I'm just aware of it. So everybody in who has the TV blasting without being aware of what's being played in the background. Um, I'm not saying every creator is irresponsible, but you should know what's being coming into your mind, just like you pay attention to what's coming into your body. And, um, you know, taking an active stance on what's playing in the background. Uh, sometimes, Let's say it's family or you're in a holiday or extended family and they're not used to your lifestyle. 
hey, there's nothing wrong having some headphones. <laughs> you, know, you can't control everything and you don't want right. people people's lives aren't like your life mm-hmm. so you can't be extremely rigid and like no don't do that otherwise you'd be the grumpy uncle gr- grumpy aunt you know <laughs> but for the most part you kind of want to pay attention and find ways like um i don't like to use anything extreme like um um not abraham last um the guy from the uh, Jew- the con- concentration uh, camp who said between uh, space uh, between basically talking about our attitudes in any situation is it from uh, Frankel the man's search yeah, for meaning yeah absolutely okay. and he talks That's about book. oh it's an amazing book when he talks about um, we have between a, um, a stimulus and a response there's a, there's a space in between where we have a choice to respond. We have a choice to respond to anything in life. Mm-hmm. Even in, when there's TV blasts in the background, it may suck, but once you develop that muscle, you're, you know, it's not no longer going to be flight or flight responses. You're, you now have the perseverance to withstand any nonsense that comes at you. Mm-hmm. And once you're able to build that muscle, mental muscle, emotional muscle, where your body, your physicality, your spirit is not affected as much, then you could transform the environment just by walking inside there. But it takes a lot of work and not lying to yourself. That's what I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, trying to work on that muscle, you know, uh, my wife often tells like, when the family comes over, <laughs> don't get crazy. Don't, don't try <laughs> yeah, to shut it down. Like yes. let them be who they are. Absolutely, I agree with that. <laughs> you know, I I'm like to a point, right? Because for a couple of day or a day and a half, I am the grumpy uncle, right? But I have intentionality behind it. So after I, you know, with round edges, I'm I'm imposing a little bit of rules. Mm-hmm. But once I'm pulling them out of that hypnosis that you're talking about, and once they've, they've pulled away just enough while they're with me, it's, it's like, ah, I see a smile. <laughs> I see, I see a relaxed attitude. I see you letting go of a little bit of anger. And it's these tiny tweaks that are not scientific. It's like, get some better sleep. Turn the TV off in the background. Hey, let's hang out. While you're here, why don't we be together, not just around each other? Absolutely. And uh, so I have to control the get crazy. Don't make you be like me. I want you to be you, but I want to see you. Absolutely. I have to create the environment just like you create. As a male, as a man, um, and not, there's nothing, there's not misogyny or anything. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The female audiences, I'm not saying that at all. But as a male, what attracts, and, and I I believe that the universe is a woman. And as a, as a guy, you almost have to, you know, be a little bit directive. You're, protecting your sanctuary your that space and once you have the parameters of your the male is a visionary once you have that parameters and people may fight push back this is where the balance comes where you don't want to be that grumpy uncle but you kind of want to 
be firm mm-hmm. once you're able to and I, I'm saying this out loud so I can hear it to send a reminder <laughs> to myself I'm not saying that all these things I am like so squeakly clean and 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 I follow those rules but once you're firm and you set out like this is what you've seen this is how you've learned it this is what works and this is what you're suggesting which people may push back on even family or extended family at some point that and you're consistent people be like well yeah curry is he's 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 on he's spot on and we would start to make the adjustment based on what he sees as a visionary and at some point when they see and they taste and they their taste buds their life taste buds adjust to what you suggested then they would start seeing how beneficial those pointers are so i think yeah yeah, it's hard. You know, I the simple simplified version is tough love, right? Uh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Like somebody, somebody has to give some tough love. It's both. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's called that for a reason, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's a delicate dance, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't bring the hammer all the time. Uh, that's not helpful, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you can't have, you know, a weekend either all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like this constant dichotomy of you know these ebbs and flows ups and downs really trying trying to be more sensitive towards when you're about to bring the hammer i'm the man i'm bringing it down (laughs) and then uh you see the soft eyes of your wife it just melts the hammer you say ah this is the wrong tool yes it's the wrong tool yeah it should be a cup of water yes you know yes yes but if Absolutely. you don't open your eyes to see it, you might just rush through with the hammer, you know. And I know that's super metaphorical, but I no, I totally I mean. get. I totally, um, I understand. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no specifics, but you know, you know what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, totally. It's, yeah, it's, totally. it's that be that uh, without having created all that space with the time with yourself. I think you're not perceptive to those moments. Absolutely. I think I think the more you give your time away, the more you are just in. You're hypnotized. Mm-hmm. You're just gonna behave how you've been programmed. Absolutely, absolutely. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, when you behave like your program, you can start developing like a codependency, and those codependencies are, you know. They could be, I mean, if you're in a survival mode, then the codependency is sort of understandable. But if you're not, it could be detrimental to even the collective, um, you know, progress of of whatever. Mm. Um, In Christianity, I grew up as, you know, I grew up in the Christian church. I, I feel like I'm a little bit more evolved now, but I still have, you know, the tenets that I, I, I follow of Christianity. But one of the books that I, I, um, like understood is, uh, Moses walking the 12 tribes of Israel out of um, Egypt. And, um, he had to give tough love. He wasn't smiling. I mean, you're talking about, you're moving, you know, the Jews out of Israel and most Jews, some of them are extremely smart and they have very strong personalities. So he had to like put his foot down and say, yo, we're bouncing. You love it or leave it. We're going. 
So it's almost like that, you know, then I can get you out of there and then I can apologize later. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I am going to apologize. Yeah. So after we're out, we're after we're out and the eyes of seeing and, 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 you know, empathizing and seeing if it's the right tool. Uh, life is a contact sport. You're, you are going to see it, except you've just blunted and snared your conscience and you really don't, then you become a tyrant, an extremist, you know, and that's where, you know, harmony, harmonic relations with others, diplomacy, all those things are very important. It's also important to creativity as well. You cannot be a creative if you're not diplomatic and one doesn't listen. I've worked with so many creatives, some who have lots of money, some who want to buy their way, buy their issues away. At the end of the day, it falls flat. I've been through some of those paths to understand that everything is like, you know, liquid ebbs and flows. I mean, we're kind of going off a little bit of a tannin, you know, uh, talking about, you know, that stuff, the right tools. But, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there is no, you know, direct line with this. Just so you know, it's just... Yeah. This is how we learn from each other. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, otherwise yeah. it would be a, you know, just a static... Yeah, it's too structured. Number one, this, <laughs> are you done? Are you done? I didn't listen. Okay, number two, I didn't listen. Yes. It doesn't matter. I, I need to get through my list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really try not to do that. <laughs> yes. You know, because uh, that's preventative. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I miss what you're sharing with me. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of my list, you know. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, since we talked about it the other day on the phone, uh, and because we... I do know, you know, understand technology so well. I, I want to see directly from the horse's mouth in as a Nigerian with the rollout of a central bank digital currency. Mm-hmm. I'm an American way over here. I'm following this stuff all the time. I see all the benefits, how it connects, how it works. When it gets down to you're at the market in area, you know, you're at the public market in in lagos and you guys are you know you got the point uh, watching videos you have the point of sale guys they can you can upload some money they give you cash right or now with uh people i don't know how many people are using the the federal government bank app but they can send it from there too has you know if people's rolled out or not that that transfer app where you can load your funds on there and you just scan each other's phones how it's supposed to include include people that are unbanked and give you access through the phone through wi-fi i have my money on my phone i can pay anybody anywhere at any market without needing to go to a branch right um have you seen any impact yet or how has it impacted you at all if 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 anything uh in time since i mean it just got rolled out you know brand new but you know how has it impacted you or what do you see so far uh i would say that you know like you said it just got rolled out and we're just moving into the first fiscal quarter of the year which is q1 and the results uh were published recently i haven't gone through the paper the white paper yet to see how it did 
but I know that there were some errors and some issues. Um, it hasn't, people haven't adopted it yet quite well. You have old, uh, currency, you know, agencies that make it easy for the people to, you know, go to like a spot, redraw the money. Um, you know, they have the NIN, the national identity number in Nigeria. They have the BVN. These are like, they're tied. It's like social security numbers in a way. Okay. And they're tied to your banks. So it's sort of convoluted where each administration comes in with their policy trying to effectively make um, it's a country which is close to 200 million people, if not more, where they're trying to make everybody, um, you know, digitized. Um, but there's there is a, a huge part of the population who sort of stays who lives in abject poverty. So the, not everybody would have a smartphone. They may have the old brick phones, which they use codes to make payments and that mm, type of like stuff. Text to pay. Text to pay, those type of things. So how do you get those? How do you get the people to adopt, you know, this new, you know, crypto, um, the government currency? Some of those individuals move, they command volumes and sales. And they could be in the markets. They could be selling, you know, perishable goods like food or just fabric or anything. And they're so busy. They're so busy. So to adopt something new, they're like, oh, we'll get there when we get to it. Even if they're going to be fine. They're like, oh, they're making so much money. It's nice if they don't want to. Right. But there's also the component of fraud where you have like a, a percentage of people who are Nigerians generally are very smart individuals, extremely gifted individuals. It's just that the system where there's a, maybe it could be nepotism or they're just like uh, different barriers to entry for the, the, the common man. And they're not given a shot because maybe someone has destroyed the trust. And, you know, it's, it's really this interplay of the government and, and versus the people, the haves and the have nots. So some people don't have the patience to adopt that thing. So they go into fraud. So if something is rolled out, like a policy or something that's rolled out and it's being adopted, you have the, the, the people who are fraudsters who move in like, Oh, this is a new one. We're going to use this one to meet and make some money. So, so, so people are naturally skeptical a little bit. They're naturally skeptical, except the government comes with a hammer and says, boom, we are, we're doing this. Take it or leave it. Your light's going to be cut or your bank account's going to be frozen. You have to, you, you must transact with this thing. But it's just, I mean, Nigeria is packed with three major tribes with lots of other tribes and a gazillion dialects and people with their own cultures, which are, which precede the governments and the government is mixed with Americans, um, how the American structure is set. Then mm -hmm. also it's, it's colonized by the British. So it's, it's mixed two different. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, and then you have, you know, the, the, the tribe leaders who are, they have their own way they govern, you know, they have the Emir, you have the, the Igwe, which is from the East. They have the Abba, the Oni. These are, Akaro comes from the Yoruba tribe. That's where my parents are uh, from. And that's the language, the, the second language I speak.
Um, so all there, there are many different cultures that govern everything. So the bottom line is that have they adopted this thing? I think the early adopters, the early ad- adopters, uh, technologists, the young kids who are, they want to be the first to get there. They're the ones, you know, helping the government find the holes, you know, mm-hmm. in this currency. But next door, Ghana has moved. They, they're coasting with their e-currency. The reason why Nigeria hasn't is because there's so much, there's so much social complexities. So people are just really hungry. They're not thinking about anything digitized. They know it exists, but they just want to make sure that they have a consistent meal that's coming in. Not it's this today, the next week is a different thing. You know, they want to have that. Um, but I think at some point with, um, there's just so much curry. There's so much. I think it's, a, it's being adopted, but how it's filtering into businesses, uh, you know, I think the early adopters would be, you know, the SMEs, the small to medium businesses, mm-hmm. um, creating more options in a mark in the digital marketplace for people. Uh, you have clearing houses, you have uh, merchants, you have Paystack. Paystack, I think, was acquired by Stripe. Please, if I'm saying this wrong, I apologize. Okay. The audience right. who knows the actual data. But you have uh, Y Combinator and some of the investors in Silicon Valley who are pumping money into, you know, um, this payment gateway companies like Paystack, mm-hmm. Flutterwave, um, AOO. I'm doing free advertising for them. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, the the uh, thing is, like the yeah. one I told you, when mm-hmm. I I keep coming back to people because it's they use the company that I follow, right? Okay. So, uh, but looking at their their key thing is remittances. So yeah. I was looking at yeah. Nigeria is in the top ten. Oh, absolutely for remittances in mm-hmm. 2020 as a some article. Anyways, it was top ten across whatever. Space, Pretty accurate, but it averaged was 17 billion. Yep. In remittances. Yep. And uh, the company I talk of, uh, people in Nigeria and the West African side, they use the other company, Ripple, mm-hmm. which I said in there. And specifically, they use their ODL, right? Okay. Which is the on-demand liquidity, mm-hmm. which means there's only a few. There's an Australian one. There's like three others that actually use the ODL. There's mm-hmm. thousands that use their data, mm-hmm. but only a handful use the actual crypto in the middle intermediary. Mm-hmm. And it allows them to not have to have boatloads of cash in all these places. They can just lightning speed fund mm-hmm. it, right? And the the point of it is that if eventually we have Starlink or whatever space Wi-Fi flying around, <laughs> Elon right? Musk, yeah, 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 you know, you could be anywhere mm-hmm. in any market, right? And on your phone, you have full Wi-Fi, and now you're paying with this blockchain-based pay, yep. you got the market getting some meat, getting textiles, this yep. and that, beep, beep, and you scan, everybody's covered. So it's not worrying about signal. Mm-hmm. The payments come from the government immediately. That's how it's supposed to work. So well, this will be an ongoing conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because where I'm sure America will be one of the last, even though. Very possible. You know, very, very possible. They're just going to watch, test, yeah. this mm-hmm. and that. Mm-hmm. We'll be one of the last. So since you're one of the first, <laughs> we'll see how it really evolves and if it's really doing what it's supposed to. Yeah. As a global, you know, operating system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but 
that that's that's very you know i'm i really love it i watch it it evolves so fast yeah how it's helping what it's becoming remind me to send you uh um a data um a data chart of just like all the all the organizations and solutions like ripple Mm mm-hmm Everything it came out and it floated around the first week of this month and it was just amazing how you know for remittances and many different you know uh, solutions for people to move their money and and just different options. It's the ecosystem is is really blowing up and the financial you know the fintech and the fintech ecosystem there is it surpassed the U.S. like by far. Oh yeah. I, it's just like amazing like it's wow third world set up surpassing first world what's well, such a paradox you know <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's it's good you're watching that and paying attention to it so that you know you're not being fed you're feeding if you understand that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 another thing where i would not know any of this at all mm-hmm. had i not done what we talked about earlier which is shutting out what you're trying trying to shove down my brain. Absolutely. I'm looking for actions and then following many people that are just actually reading massive amounts of things that the government puts out Mm -hmm. that they say, hey, everything's public. We told you three years ago we were going to like fire you and give you $10 a year. (laughs) We wrote it down. It was public information. Yes. Right? Yes. These are things that they can say it's we told you no one's reading this. They don't, there's no news story on that thing that said you're going to get $10 a year. Mm-hmm. But I've, during the shutdown, have started finding these researchers, these scientists, these data collectors who are actually reading and absorbing what's really happening as this whole transition happens during mm-hmm. this time. There's a lot that was already in play that they literally say this is the, because of the virus we're advancing what they're doing to the financial sector they literally say this is this is the most opportune time let's let's crank the gears up to level 10 we were on level two just climbing that way yeah now we hit the gas right Mm -hmm. and then the other countries outside of america said yeah we can do this from here absolutely we don't need you absolutely and that's what i find just (laughs) amazing yeah you know yeah. You know, I I like following what's happening in Japan a lot. Yeah. Because they just blatantly say, "Oh, yeah, we just we're doing this. We don't we don't need you to agree or accept what we're doing." And it's not it's not to our detriment specifically, <laughs> right? It's just saying I like to 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 realize as an American like, "Wow, we just we I keep thinking like, we're awesome. Where does this come from?" Like it's in the back. Like you this it's like, oh, you know what? Well, well whole- I, I would say, um, <laughs> so I, I did a couple of term, uh, terms. I don't say I'm Nigerian. I don't say I'm American. I don't say I'm Nigerian-American either. Um, I still, I say, you know, American-born. I still have on my train, my background is American. I'm Nigerian. And it's, it's, I don't want to even use the word hybrid. I'm just human. But I've been fortunate to see both sides within the US and outside the US. And that programming that programming where you talk about where like 
were great. Where's this thing coming from? You know, I, I too think about that. I'm like, what the heck? Like, where did this, who dropped this in our head? Yeah. Um, at the same time, um, human nature is if you really see a human being, once a human being has power. And what I'm trying to say is that you really don't know what it would be like until you're in a situation where you have the opportunity to capitalize and to do anything you want to do without anybody obstructing you or you have the resources to overpower anybody. And if you're within that system, you think about, oh, okay, well, I feel protected, you know, in a way. It's very easy to slip into that, you know, greatest in the world, you know, because it's been, there's a huge gap compared to like other places where, you know, you're within that confines of I'm the greatest in the world. It's also very dangerous. So I think that there are benefits and there are negatives to it. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are benefits and negatives to it where the positives are like, okay, if you know what you're doing economically, you can really use that time, that, that gap you have, that getting a head start to like really foster other things. At the same time, the other part is the other sides who don't have the resources, they're going to like, yeah, well, you know what? That's fine. You're giving us the ammunition to really double up and develop ourselves so we can surpass you, you know? So it's almost not like catch 22, but anything in life, you know, you know, Republicans get in, Democrats want it. Democrats get in, Republicans want it, you know? Russia sent its space program, beat the U.S. or China did. And you're like, whoa, what an insult. No way. We're so great. We're going to do it too. <laughs> so it's almost like it's it's like a pendulum that mm-hmm. swings back and forth. Um, but it's cool that you are aware of that and you're seeing it. And I think a lot of people have are waking up like during this COVID, they're forced to process indoors. What is this? What is this thing anyway? Mm-hmm. what is this? This doesn't feel right. You know, this doesn't feel right. So they start to question these things and the data, everything is so interconnected now. Everything is so interoperable mm-hmm. in technology. The concept of the open source is now moving into different spheres of life where you actually see data like Nigeria or some other places moving things forward without being dependent on you know, the world's a global superpower. Their economies are moving. But at the same time, even within um, a space where everything is open, where you can access most things, there's still another fabric behind that. And we, we, we shouldn't be careless to think it's not there because we have, you know, the synarchy, the synarchy, mm-hmm. you have the oligarchy, okay. you have the cabal, you have... Who controls all the central banks? There's a central bank in every every part of the world. It's very important to understand that even before technology was allowed to help people create their own podcasts and do things without an A&R or having a middleman, there were systems and families and things in place that kind of put society on the long rope, funded governments and you know presidents to say, well, we're going to put you in. This is our agenda. So one could be fearless and say, you know what? We don't need you. <laughs> we don't need you. That's cool. But I think it is also healthy, like 
us going out of space and saying, wow, this is a big space, to not be careless and think that there's nothing out there. Asteroids. I'm not even talking about extraterrestrial aliens, but to not just step out and say, hey, I got it. I got it, man. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> like, I miss Carl Sagan. I never knew him, but I think he's one of the greatest minds that ever lived and was produced in America. He was a natural skeptic, a, a very scientific mind, and but he also respected you know, the spiritual part, the spiritual, you know, being, understanding that you can't know everything, but -hmm. just how his mind worked with so much clarity, it helps us question our emotions and how we respond to things, even when we're waking up. Mm -hmm. You're like, man, what? America, what? For real? Man, you played us, man. But, before you say you play this man, you have to pay attention to those as those emotions rise to really, really look at it. You know, I just wanted to mention that when you mentioned, you know, that triggered off, you know, what, what I'm saying, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. With you. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the all of us. You know, I was telling my cousins the other day, if if you miss the opportunity to stare at yourself a lot harder mm-hmm. during this time. Mm-hmm. You really miss the opportunity to stare at yourself oh, during this time. And I can't. And it it's one of the few opportune times in our, our lifetime mm-hmm. that as a whole, everybody could do it, especially here, but everybody could say what, yeah, what I have I been doing? He's calling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, pause. Maybe pause it, yeah. Check, check. Good. We're back. Okay. So I'll stop there. I think we're in alignment, realizing, you know, looking at ourselves and making some adjustments. But if we didn't have a chance, didn't take the opportunity to really reflect and just went into hibernation to like, I hope things are the same when I pop my head back out. I think that's a huge loss. Absolutely. For anybody who maybe had something inside themselves that they're scared to look at. So I off, I, I do read stoic books. You know, one of my favorite books is uh, On the Shortness of Life by Seneca. Oh, wow. Seneca, it's, that Seneca the Elder, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, I read a little bit from it on one of the, I think the second podcast. Okay. I remember with my friend Nick. But I reread it here and there just because it's so short. It's a very short book, but it's so spot on. How can this book, yeah. how can this book be so old and be so <laughs> correct right yeah. now? Yeah. Right. Timeless. I love when we come across these timeless pieces. And so this other guy I follow, listen, he uh, suggested an app called We Croak. Okay. Which basically gives you a quote. Reminding you you're going to die every day. Okay. That says like the, you know, you get a little alert on your phone. It says, don't forget, you're going to die. And then you open it and it has some. Isn't that momento, momento, more? That's a stoic. Um, the, the, the one in Latin is, uh, momento mori. It's, uh, you're, it's, it reminds you that you're going to die. Yes. It's and a stoic. It, yeah. Stoic. And, and it's on purpose to feel happy. Mm-hmm. Right. To be reminded this is all temporary. Mm-hmm. Remind you, hey. It literally what it says. Don't forget, you're gonna die. 
just appreciate this temporary mm-hmm. time we have here. Absolutely. Right. And then one of the, uh, I don't know if it's this book or another one, but uh, it was more of the question, which I will directly ask you since I read it and I, I think of it and it's a different answer every day, you okay. know, but if tonight when you lay down to sleep, pretend you're laying down to die, what are you most proud of having done? And what will you change knowing that when you do wake up? Mm. Whatever proud I've been, I've done, um, within my abilities, served humanities as the best that I could at that particular point in time when I lay down, the best I could possibly could have done. If I could have done more, I would have. And that's just being a humanitarian first. Um, if an event I woke up, what would I do different? Just be a little bit more deliberate, a little bit more deliberate, be a little bit more upfront, you know, just be a little bit more upfront and just to try as many things within each year. My birthday is tomorrow. So uh, happy birthday. Thank you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> just to try things deliberately between you know, the Gregorian calendar of 365 days within that time. Just keep pushing, keep living, keep feeling, and to care less and less what people think because the more I am, the more I'm more appreciated. So that's how I feel. Beautiful. Um, and the last thing is in, in that vein, uh, in one of my meditation apps, uh, one of my ones I repeat often is uh, he speaks about not holding your happiness hostage. <laughs> um, and the easy way to understand that is saying, I'll be happy when dot, dot, dot. Mm. Right? You could be happy now. Yeah. Don't hold it hostage. And I think we all fall in that trap. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So when you catch yourself and you say, I'll be happy when just erase it yeah say oh no i'm happy now because dot 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 Mm -hmm. so that's all i i want to say thank you we're gonna go eat some good food yeah my pleasure man it was i mean it's this is a great conversation uh diego having diego seen you guys after so long and um i'm coming out of a long sabbatical from doing uh, you know, conversation and interviews, but this is definitely oh, great. You. An honor. Definitely great. Um, while here in the States, I'm not going to see everybody. So anybody who hears this, I apologize if I haven't called you. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just so much come back in after two years from the lockdowns. Uh, but thanks for listening. And um, I enjoyed this podcast. I encourage, look at some of the former episodes um, it's a huge learning repository. I fully endorse it. Thank you. Yeah, your your time was very valuable. I appreciate you sharing it with me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Let's get out of here. Be healthy, All y'all. Right.